Yo, this is Pete Town's finest, representing the NEP. D. Stoudemire, and y'all know what we're talking about. No one's ready to deal with us. Hi, this is CJ McCollum, and you're listening to the Rip City Report, the second best Trailblazers Associated podcast besides Pull Up. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another edition of the Rip City Report. I'm Joe Freeman of the Oregonian. He's Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com. Greetings, Joe, and greetings to everybody out there in Rip City and beyond. Thank you for joining us here on the Rip City Report. Rip City and beyond. Like that kind of a thing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We could probably do some kind of ads with that. Yeah. Not if anyone's... We don't really one, do ads. I, I think the uh, the Pixar folks are probably pretty litigious. So, yeah, that's uh, true. Do you think that they own the like the 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 music though? If you change the words to Rip City and Beyond, like it's yeah, I know there there is a lot of room uh, in copyright law for parody. So you're probably right, Joe. Yeah, not that we would, but no. we could. I mean, we, we 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 can't even get new segments onto the show, let alone uh, coming up with. Uh, though I I have always felt like I had a knack. For writing parody songs, uh-huh. um, but that's probably just a dumb thing you think into your head. You know, I came really close, and it was my intention. I just sort of ran out of time. Uh, I was going to pop a surprise uh, Blazers Jeopardy on Ooh, you today, hey. but uh, I'm going to save that for another time. Yeah, maybe, maybe for the regular season. Yeah. We'll save the uh, the the real high quality content for for once the games start to count. And we have uh, a ton of your questions, uh, a ton of your Waltons uh, or Odins, and uh, you know, we're right. We got training camp started. We, we're, we're, it's Thursday today. Training camp started on Tuesday. We had media day on Monday, so we've got plenty uh, to talk about. Uh, again, we will get to your questions in Walton or Odin's. We kind of wanted to um, drop a couple things we're hearing uh, as, as we progress through camp, so we'll mention those. We wanted to talk a little bit about um, just the vibe at camp, uh, the way things feel right now, and, um, and you know... It, I, I think Vegas thinks this team is an underdog, but I don't think this team thinks it's an underdog. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but before we get uh, too deep again, uh, he's Casey. You can follow him on Twitter at Seahold, and you can uh, read his content at blazers.com slash forward center. You can follow me on Twitter at Blazer Freeman and read mine and my colleagues uh, stuff at OregonLive.com slash Blazers. And if you uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. Give us all your five-star reviews. We love you. Show us a little love back. Did you notice that I surpassed you in followers on Twitter, by the way, Joe? I didn't. I, I don't... surpassed you in followers oh, on Twitter. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I uh, I don't necessarily... I, I guess I should check to see. Where am I at? No, you shouldn't. You're, no? I mean, we're, we're very close. Oh, you're, okay. you're just a shade under 30,000, okay. and I'm just a shade over 30,000. Oh, good for you. So... Yeah, well, yeah, you're uh, you're much mouth. more prolific on yeah. the Twitter than I, I am. I mean, and you, you, prolific is a nice way to put it, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm a loud mouth idiot. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, that that's what sells on Twitter. So. That might be overstating a little bit, but uh, that's also what sells on Twitter is overstating things. So that's true. You're, yeah, you're, you're learning my my your tricks stick? of my I got trade your stick here. there. Yeah. Uh, well, follow all of Casey's loud mouth <laughs> idiot ramblings on Twitter at Seahold. In the meantime, we'll get to a few news and notes for you. First up, a uh, couple uh, injury updates for your Blazers. Hassan Whiteside tweaked his ankle. Was it his right or left ankle? Left ankle. His left ankle during one of the Blazers' first two workouts on Tuesday. Uh, it led to him or resulted in him skipping each of the last two days of practices. So no practices for him on Wednesday and none in the morning session uh, this morning. I think he said he might try to go tonight, though. Um, and he did say it was minor. 
I think he labeled it a grade one sprain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. Well, people were asking me, like, well, how bad is it? It's like, it's training it's, camp, guys. And like, also, we're not, it's a we're sprain to ankle. Just Let's yet. just everybody take it down a notch. Uh, but yeah, and he does hope to return soon uh, again, perhaps even uh, later tonight before you or listen to this. And uh, I think more importantly for the, uh, I wouldn't say long term, but the medium term, short term for this team is the health of uh, backup center Paul Gasol. Uh, he has not yet been cleared for full contact practices. He, of course, had uh, surgery for a stress reaction on his foot, uh, I believe, five months ago, uh, maybe in April, I want to say, April or March. Maybe yeah, it was March. It, it, it was, I think it was right before the play. So it was either late March or early April. Okay. And so he's still kind of uh, working back from that. And uh, he, he did, uh, he's been doing a little uh, half court work. Um, you know, to try to test his foot and take the and to progress along, but has not been cleared for any contact. He doesn't have a timeline for his return. Uh, and, and I asked him today if he hoped to play in a preseason game, and he said, ideally, yes, but it's not uh, it's not 100% necessary. Um, that said, uh, there's no guarantee of when he does return, but the team is hopeful he'll be ready for opening night. Uh, on another note, Damian Lillard sat out portions of today's practice, uh, no injury, just for rest. Uh, he skipped parts of the offensive work, quite frankly, because he's he's done it all for the last seven years, and he, he knows it like the back of his hand. So um, kind of a smart little way for him to get uh, you know rest here and there, which I think will be important for him as the season progresses. A couple more notes. FanFest is scheduled for Sunday, this Sunday, three days from now, at Memorial Coliseum. Tickets, as always, are free and can be downloaded at blazers.com slash fanfest. Blazers.com slash fanfest to get your free Blazer tickets. And uh, and I know that Casey wanted me to encourage you to do that. You, you're you not going to show up at the door and get tickets to this thing. It, it's it's at Memorial Coliseum. It's a smaller venue, less than 10,000 seats. Exactly. It's going to be pretty, I think, relatively packed, popular this year? You would imagine. I mean, they're, one, it's in a fun venue. Uh, two, the, a lot of the team is new, so I think the interest is there. And, and yeah, Joe is exactly right. Uh, while you're not likely to get turned away at FanFest, you just might if they reach the actual capacity, which, you know, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's at least feasible. So what would really help to make sure that doesn't happen is if people actually go out to nba.com slash blazers slash fanfest and download the free tickets from there because they are free. You can get them on your phone. It, it, it just makes sure that everyone will be able to get to the door and the team will be prepared for that. Because again, if, if there's already 6,000 people that show up and then 5,000 people show up without tickets, then, you know, we might be an issue there with the fire marshal. So long story short, if you have the capability to go to the website, download tickets, please do. There you go. Uh, now, you had told me it was blazers.com slash fanfest, which is what I said. And then you just said nba.com slash blazers slash fanfest. Well, so, because, so when you go to blazers.com, it uh, technically the blazers website is nba.com slash blazers. If you go to blazers.com, it automatically redirects to there. Gotcha. But sometimes when you add another directory onto that, sometimes the, the redirect doesn't work just right. So I was giving the exact way to navigate to that page. Which is, and I'll repeat it just so you guys can get your tickets, nba.com slash blazers slash fanfest. Last news and note, uh, the Blazers, two days or two nights after fanfest, will play their exhibition opener also at Memorial Coliseum. It will kind of be a, a nice little kickoff to the 50th anniversary season, and uh, they'll face the Denver Nuggets at 7.30 p.m. So uh, we'll get to uh, a few things we're hearing in camp. But before I do, I want to tell you about our good friends at Tough Luck, of course. Um, I know most of you guys, you, you like booze, you like beer, 
And if you don't like booze or beer, you like to have fun. And so uh, you can do all three of those things uh, simultaneously at Tough Luck. They also have delicious food. They've got shuffleboard, uh, fun people, fun bartenders. And, of course, uh, they are your one-stop shop for all things Blazers. As you all uh, heard us last podcast, the $10 fried chicken sandwich and beer deer deal will be back. It will. Yes, it will. So stay Stay tuned for details on that, uh, and uh, yeah, check it out. It's on Northeast Deacon. Again, great people, great food, a ridiculously extensive selection of whiskey, uh, nice tap list, tough luck, 1771 Northeast Deacon. Speaking of which, by the way, I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't tweet it because I didn't want to put John on blast because he's a great guy, uh, but I noticed there was a discussion the other day about some of the best deals at restaurants in Portland and John uh, PDX Brocherlight had mentioned uh, that uh, it was some other place and I didn't I didn't want to jump in his mentions and tell him that well actually it's the Rip City Red Hot fried chicken sandwich which you can get for $10 with a micro beer slash brew but uh, I think you should have jumped up in there well you know I, I, I I'm I won't even say it. I, okay. I'm trying not to be as active on Twitter after I just said that I uh, being an idiot is loud my, mouth my idea. brand yeah um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it back. Like, you might have noticed today that someone had mentioned something about our friend Mike Richmond's podcast, and initially I tweeted, oh, Mike Richmond has a podcast, but then I deleted it because, you know, I didn't want people to get the wrong idea. I think Mike's great. I think he's doing good work, and, uh, you know, people people don't read the uh, the the good-naturedness into it sometimes, so I deleted yeah, it's, it. Yes, it's a hard thing to... Uh, sarcasm is a hard thing to relay in the... And when you're already a jerk by nature anyways, as I am... It's understandable why people don't always read it that way, because when you're a jerk, you know, people are going to assume you're just being a jerk. Which is fair. I, exactly. Yeah. They, you, I, I can't fault anyone for that. Uh, speaking of Mike Richmond, we had mentioned his uh, podcast uh, on the Locked, uh, Locked, on, Locked on Blazers. Locked on Blazers. We had mentioned it in our last podcast, and, and we would encourage you to re, you know, listen to it. It's great. Um, someone I know where you're came back to us yeah. afterward and, <laughs> and talked about how, how rosy we were and, and high on the Blazers. And and he wasn't as as high, and he's he's has a different take. I to be honest, I haven't listened to that uh, episode of his podcast, so I don't know exactly what he said. But um, it's funny, like I can't win. If I'm too hard on the Blazers, <laughs> I get destroyed. If I'm too rosy, then I'm a homer. It's like I and and at this point in my career, my life, you just learn to accept it. But it's like one guy says you're too much of a homer, and one guy says you're too hard on him, or lady, of course. And so it's like you know what I think. Part of the the thing we talked about last podcast was that for all these for year after year after year, especially me, maybe you, I feel like I'm like, yeah, this team's gonna be okay. They'll be sixth or seventh or, or but they'll squeak into the playoffs. And they continue yeah. to defy every expectation I and everybody else has. So eventually, just get your AWS on the bandwagon. And it's like, I mean, I don't know how good they're going to be, but yeah. it's like, yeah, is it, should I just say the word if I'm going to... I'm used to being around my kids, so you got to spell out the, the obscenities. But I think they have a really good team. I agree. I think they're very versatile. I think they're deep. I think their defense could be potentially better. They're very high on their defense, um, something we could talk about later. And they have a lot of scoring talent, a lot of punch, a lot of veterans. They're coming off their best season in 19 years. I know the West is deep, and that gives you pause, but I don't know why. Again, at this point, it's like I might as well just believe yeah. in them at some level, and if they fail me, what do I care? They can fail me. I'm incredibly happy you brought that up because I thought the same thing when I saw that. Uh, a couple things there. One, I, I don't think either one of us have picked the Blazers to finish in the top half of the Western Conference, at least the last two years. And oh, they for finished, sure. And yeah. they finished third both times. So 
that also went into my kind of decision making as well. Because it's like, well, if I've gotten this wrong the last two years considerably, then maybe perhaps I need to revise up my my expectations. That's the first part. But the second part is was more, how can I be a homer about something that hasn't happened yet? <laughs> like I. I, I might be wrong, but like I'm just guessing. Yeah. Mike is also just guessing. You know, it's like you you if if we were saying the Blazers are gonna win the championship, then yeah, I think that's like, okay, maybe pump the brakes, maybe you're you're feeding me a line right now. But it's like if nothing has happened yet, the only thing we're basing this off of is assumptions anyways, and that's on all thirty teams. I mean, I you look back to last year. Everyone just assumed the Lakers are gonna make the playoffs because LeBron was on the team. They didn't. Saying that you didn't think you, the Lakers were going to be in the playoffs last year was some kind of Crazy. insane prediction. It's like, no, like, you don't know how a season's going to play out. So, yeah, it, it, while I, I do think that it's it's important, particularly for someone in my position who worked for the team, to kind of to to understand that you have some biases and to maybe not fight against them, but at least be cognizant of them and, and, and take that into account. But I, I feel like in general, when it comes to the team, particularly in the in the season view, I feel like we've both been pretty... I, I think if you looked where our predictions were, we've probably lower picked than, them lower yeah. than they've finished, I would say, at least the last two years. Yeah, no question. I think more than that, quite frankly. I think it's been several... So shout out to that guy on Twitter who neither, didn't get either one of us to respond yeah. to him, but we did just talk about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I... Where you are more apt to go in and I'm just And like, I thought yeah. about it, but then I was like, you know what? Like, I uh, again, like it's not a... It, it's it, it's yeah. also there's just a person's opinion and, and he's more than entitled, more than to, entitled it. to it. Yeah. And I didn't also want it to seem like I was dogging Mike's podcast because right. uh, I like Mike's podcast. Yeah, and, he, and he's more than entitled to his opinion as well. Uh, yeah, so we uh, wanted to do a real quick segment here, just things we're hearing, l- little quick tidbits that uh, that we've heard throughout camp. Now, it's only been a couple days in media day, um, but they've been working out for weeks. Uh, we learned today Hassan Whiteside's been here since the middle of August. So he's uh, he's really. I been feel bringing... like I've been watching his IG stories now for like three years. So it doesn't surprise me that he's okay. been here since August. So a couple things uh, I'm hearing. Uh, one is related to Anthony Tolliver. I wouldn't just assume that he's here to ride the pine. I'm I'm hearing that uh, I think Terry Stotts likes his defense, thinks his defense is better than advertised. I think he's very intrigued with the idea of sort of. Um, Pairing uh, Tolliver's outside shooting with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and then you know with Whiteside down needing space, you know, can you imagine how many open looks such a such a good long range shooter is going to get standing in the corner? Um, now I don't know what that will result into playing time wise, but uh, I sort of kind of like Nick Stauskas last year. I thought no way this dude's going to play. Um, I kind of had the assumption that Tolliver was more of an insurance policy, but I think he might be a part of the rotation. And especially if Paul Gasol, if his his foot is not ready and he's not healthy by opening night, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Tolliver is a surprise starter. And, I, and and they bring Collins off the bench to kind of pair Tolliver with those guys in that starting lineup to give that shooting, uh, have Collins have a more defined role off the bench. Now, again, a lot is incumbent upon whether or not Gasol starts, um, or excuse me, if he's healthy and ready to play. I think if he is, Collins probably starts. But either way, I, I think, uh, think Tolliver is going to be a part of the rotation, if not for immediately uh, soon. I've, I've heard very similar things, yeah, up to and including that 
Anthony Tolliver as a starter at some point in time during the Blazer season would not at all surprise me in the slightest bit. So okay, you want to do one thing you're hearing? And then yeah, I'll one do thing my I'm hearing, and you know, it was said publicly a little bit yesterday, but I've been hearing it kind of consistently for a bit now that that Gary Trent Jr. has looked really nice in in both in workouts and in in the first couple of days of training camp. He got singled out for praise for from both Terry Stotts and Rodney Hood independently of each other. At yesterday's practice, he had a nice little uh, highlight that CJ was gracious enough to let us post of, of him uh, dunking on CJ's head in transition uh, during their runs, which shout out to CJ for allowing us to post that. You would not, you well, maybe you wouldn't, but you would be surprised how much stuff we don't get to do because guys just don't want to be embarrassed, and not necessarily on this roster, but just in general. So to have a guy be like, yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, guys get dunked on, and it's a young guy. Like, I should I should want him to feel good about himself. Didn't uh, Terry say it was his best defensive practice ever yesterday? I believe he, he did say that, but I, I mean, I've heard... I mean, Gary was a guy who was here basically all summer long, too. And while Ant has gotten kind of a lot of the talk about about kind of where he's at right now, which makes sense because he's already he's already locked in to get minutes. Uh, I think a guy in Gary Trent Jr., who I don't think going into the season, the team figured that he would probably be a rotation guy. And I don't know that he necessarily ends up being a rotation guy, but he might be kind of the the Jake Lehman guy of this, which is where he's maybe not going to get a ton of minutes, but when he gets out there, he, he's playing better than, than people thought. And particularly after having a, I'll just say it, after having a bad summer league, uh, I think Gary probably needed to have maybe a little bit of juice going forward. And everything I've heard is that he's looked phenomenal, in, again, in the workouts and uh, through the first couple of days of camp. All right, another thing I'm hearing, and, and I, I guess I sort of wrote about this yesterday, but the Blazers are pretty bullish on their defense. And uh, I think... There's, in fact, I believe we got a question about it. There's this sort of idea among fans that losing Mo and Chief uh, sort of leaves them empty-handed to guard, you know, the Kawhi Leonard's and the, uh, the LeBron James's and the Paul George's. You know, who, who do you put on them, and and thus weakens their defense. And quite frankly, Mo and Chief were such a huge part of their defense the last four years that there's it makes a lot of sense. I would understand that thinking, but. Man, talking to the players, talking to the coaches, they're pretty bullish and pretty high on this defense. They really love the length and athleticism uh, of Whiteside especially, but the combination of Whiteside and Collins, I mean, that is a fortress down there, a, a, a wall that you have to get through to get to the hoop. They love the versatility uh, of Kent Bazemore, who can guard one through three and is very active and is very tenacious. And they, uh, we saw Rodney Hood play fairly well uh, as a wing defender. He's got size to handle some of those players we mentioned. Um, and then Mario Hazonia, kind of the, the trio of the versatility of those guys. They really believe they have the pieces to make a pretty significant jump defensively. I heard more than one player use the word identity uh, related to defense. And so uh, training camp always starts focusing on defense, but you get a feel with this team. A lot of time, defense is predicated on on being a veteran, being a veteran team. Veteran teams tend to always be better defensively than younger teams. It's just part of uh, the league growing up and, and learning the, the league and such. So, um, yeah, this team's pretty bullish on their defense. Yeah, and kind of... Another thing that, that I've heard from the team, and this goes back to, to even before the start of training camp, is just this notion of not wanting to play into the idea that, that they're the team that's counted out or that they're the underdog. And, and I wrote a little bit about this. I didn't really get to where I wanted to go in, in the story, um, but because I couldn't get the quotes because guys necessarily didn't, I don't think, wanted to say the words. But, you know, there has been a tendency for this team to 
to really kind of take that us against the world mentality and and kind of live it and then you know have some success through it but i i think there's and I've heard for this from from players and you know from people on, on the staff that there's just a notion that we want to get past that kind of little man disease. Exactly, like we need to we need to carry ourselves as a team that's as good as we have shown that we have been over the last three seasons. And I think part of that is because they they want players, particularly players who are maybe looking to get traded or to sign up for agency. They they don't want players to look at the Blazers as a team that just overperforms. They want them to look at the Blazers as a team that is a good team that you can have success with if you come here. So kind of some of the, the, and I mean, it makes sense too, because when you have Damien on a team, like, I mean, his life story kind of, that's kind of the, the overarching emphasis of it. But even with Damien too, it's like Damien is a, is an unquestioned top 10, top 12 player in the NBA. Like there's, the, and you talked about this a couple times, Joe, just about kind of the whole being snubbed idea and how you're you you don't feel like that's valid, and I and I think you're exactly right. And I think that's that's more of like a team wide ethos now, or they're trying to instill that to where again it's not we're not the team that that is going to kind of catch you from when you're not looking. Like we want to be the team that you come into our house and you know that you're going to have to play your best because we are one of the best. And I think that they're they're hoping that that has some some positive results for the team, not just this season, but kind of going forward as they continue this, as they move on to the next phase of the team's maturation, which is really to become more of a veteran team that, that should be expected to to do things other than just make the playoffs and, and maybe win a series. The, I guess this is a good pivot to just sort of talking about training camp and, and, and where the team is at right now. And uh, it's an interesting point because, look, Four or five years ago, you had Dame and CJ as your two leaders, and they are two guys who, you know, didn't get scholarships to big programs, uh, you know, had foot injuries, had to overcome all of that. Um, it, it's been well chronicled as their story. But everybody on that team over that year, Ed Davis, uh, less so, but Mo Harkless, um, you know, all the important figure, even Nurkic, but yeah, when yeah. he got here finally, and at that point, Mason Plumley. there were so many guys who their identities in, in certainly in their pro careers, I mean, it was a, it was a bunch of castoffs and guys who had either been, you know, shedded from their team for virtually nothing. Alfred Camino. I mean, he's a guy who, um, bounced around and was almost out of the league before he got here. That made sense for that to be their identity, for them to have that little little man disease, uh, you know, so to speak. But this now is a team that is coming off a trip to the Western Conference Finals, a team that is talking about winning championships and competing for a championship and having another deep playoff run, and a team that is loaded with vets, a team that, that has uh, both older veterans who can play, older veterans who can shape these younger kids, um, established guys in their prime, their stars are in their prime, and really, really talented young guys who are expected to take that next step. This isn't a team that should have that little man disease. They should flex a little yeah. and and have those expectations. So if you're going to have those expectations, uh, you, you, you're going to talk the talk, you might as well walk the walk and have a different mindset. And so I think that makes sense as a shift to the next phase. Exactly. And that's not to say that they're not going to scrap and hustle and that they're going to just assume that they're going to walk into games and they're going to win because, you know, they, they did X, Y, and Z last season. But just, again, the, like, 
while it does have a, a positive effect on a team, it, I think it can cut the other way from time to time wherein you feel like if those expectations aren't there for you, then who are you letting down? And I would say the players say well, they're letting themselves down. But again, I think both consciously and subconsciously, when you always kind of view yourself as as that, that's what you become. Mm-hmm. And you don't, I mean, you, you want to you wanna achieve something more than just proving other people wrong. You want to actually get to the top of the mountain. And the teams that do that are typically teams that, that feel confident in their ability to do that from day one. It kind of brings up another thing. It just... One thing that I've noticed through, and again, we're, we're not even through one week with this team, but the early vibe I get with this group is, is noticeably different mm. than it has been uh, in recent years, certainly in recent training camps at this point. And I mean, I think that's bound to be the case. That's, that's expected to, to occur with so many new faces, six new players, three new starters. Um, but still, I sense a different attitude um, maybe it's because it's a veteran team. Maybe it's because they're coming off, you know, such a successful season uh, and they have such high expectations. Or maybe it really is just because there's so many new faces. But whatever it is, it just feels different. And and there seems to be uh, a, a larger confidence or, or a more pervasive confidence and uh, a business-like uh, approach, uh, kind of a no-nonsense approach. And maybe that comes with having more veterans around, not being the, the youngest team in the league anymore, um, you know, having a set of expectations. But again, whatever it is, I just get a different feel uh, from top to bottom. I mean, you're talking about Gary Trent playing mm-hmm. well, and he's a guy who's in the bottom four of the roster. Yeah. He's not expected to be in the rotation. Scalabizier, too, another guy who I've also heard has played very well throughout workouts and uh, through the first couple of days of camp. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the talent level on this team and the expectations they have. But I just, there's a different vibe. And uh, I think it's a good thing to have at this point, you know, kind of cup piggybacking off the n- not being underdogs uh, anymore or, or having that feel. Um, I don't. I don't know what to make of it, but I think uh, I think it's a good place. They're in a good place. I, I think you you touched on the main points, Joe. I would add one more. I guess, I guess technically two more, but I think it it comes down to the personnel that they have, and I, I think there's a sense too where like when you're new, it's like you don't want to necessarily maybe joke around too much because you don't want people to get the impression that, that you're not taking it seriously. So I think when you have guys who are, who are new, so you, I mean you got Pau Gasol who is a vet who's thirty nine. So I mean like he's he is who he is. But then you know you've got guys like Kent Bazemore, uh, to a lesser extent Rodney Hood, even though he's been here, you know still kind of maybe not getting to lay the land, but on a one year deal kind of knows that he kind of he wants to put his best foot forward. And then, again a guy like Hassan Whiteside too is a bit more gregarious and Anthony Tolliver as well. Guys who you know when you when you're new to a situation you maybe don't like while out in terms of, of kind of your personality and, and stuff you do in practice, you want to be business approach. And I think that makes sense when you have, when you're, particularly when you're new, because again, you just, you don't know maybe what the, what the baseline for what's acceptable is. So you want to make sure that you're minding your piece and cues. I think sometimes uh, with younger teams, guys come into camp just looking to go. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Like totally. they're looking mm-hmm. to, this is huge. I need to make my mark. I need to do such and such and such. Whereas I think with veterans and and even the younger guys who have been through this before, like this is just part of the process. And this is literally the earliest stage of the official process. And so if if you're expect to be playing in May, you know that this is not the end all be all right now. And so you're getting yourself ready for the grind. And I think that kind of 
has a different mentality. That and when you're newer, you still you're still learning too. So I mean, like if so, the team last year you got Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Alfred Camino, Myers Leonard. Those guys have all been with the team, had been with the team for at least three seasons. They basically know the plays, they know the sets, they understand how that stuff works. And not that they're not that they're not paying attention and being focused, but it's just a different level of focus sure. when you're new and when you have to learn things. The other part too is that those guys I all mentioned, you know, both I would say. Evan and Myers, and to a lesser extent, Mo, all kind of goofy guys. Mm-hmm. So, like when they're out there, you, you you know that's their personality, and and it's not a bad thing by any stretch. But it it just gives a different feel. So you replace those guys with you know a bunch of guys who are maybe not, I wouldn't say more straight laced, but again, just just different personalities. Aside mm-hmm. from Hassan Whiteside, who is definitely in the Evan Turner, Myers Leonard mold in terms of kind of his personality and maybe to the nth degree actually. So, Nurkic is pretty goofy too, but he's Nur- not Nur- really around. And Nurk right isn't now, yeah. around. That's a that's an excellent point too, Joe. I think it, because if if Nurk was out there and was more active, I think it, it probably takes on a different feel because of the, the affect that Nurk has. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you take away a guy like Nurk, you you add guys like Baysmore and Tolliver and Hood. You know, you just. It, it just changes the way that it feels. And I think, and particularly for, for people who spend a lot of time with the team, as we do, I, I think you just tend to pick up on those things maybe a bit quicker than, than you would if you were maybe around once a week. Should we get to Walton the Rodents? Do we want to talk Let's more? Let's do it. I, yep. I specifically asked for Walton the Rodents because I had, I, I, the past couple of times I put out the call for questions, mm-hmm. I keep forgetting to mention Walton the Rodents. So the fact that I did it specifically, we got some good ones this time. Let's get them all. All right. At this pace, we're on, uh, we're on, we're on a good, we're, we're on a good trajectory yeah. here, timeline-wise for the pod. There's uh, the Joe gonna... Freeman uh, time update for the yeah. podcast. Actually, this leads me. We could <laughs> might as well get to the first Walton the Rodent. Where is that one? It's somewhere in here. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to get on it in there somewhere. Well, I'll take this moment to uh, wish everyone who's been laid off at Sports Illustrated today the best of luck. I didn't realize there were layoffs today at Sports Illustrated. Yeah, basically half the staff. Oh man, yeah. that sucks. That's a real bummer. That is a bummer. Boy, way to bring me down over here. I I assumed you knew, Joe. No, nah, I finger I, on the pulse of the sports media community. Yeah, I haven't. I've been in my own cocoon here lately. Well, let's just get on to uh, to the Walton Rodents here. First up, uh oh. Oh no! I didn't put this gentleman or lady's name here. Uh, I'm gonna have to do some research. So I'll do. We'll move to the next one, um, and then we'll. Uh, I'll go find it. Okay. First up from Adam Elizaraga, Walton Roden. The preseason opener versus Denver will feel more like a regular season rivalry game because of last year's playoff series. Uh, that's an easy Odin for me. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you mean more like, I, I guess. I guess there might be a little more interest or juice to it because of what happened in the playoffs, but it's it's still it's still the first game of preseason. Both teams are going to be playing their deep, deep benches, and I, I think too. I, I think both teams know that uh, that it doesn't mean a whole lot. And again, like if you're the Blazers and your goal is to be more of a like this is who we are, we are legitimate, then you don't go out and go crazy in a preseason game because it's the team that uh that you beat in the playoffs last year yeah well a couple things the regulars aren't going to play more than 15 minutes probably so that's going to lessen some of that and and it's a preseason nobody cares about the uh, preseason the 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 question is has some validity to it because they're i mean they're playing on espn for a reason you know Mm -hmm. it is a nationally televised preseason game so i mean it it does have some interest there and there will be a little something there because players are going to get asked about it they're Mm -hmm. obviously going to be thinking about it but it 
fair. The, That's the, fair. At the end of the day, it's still a preseason game. Yeah. And so I, I guess because of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna Odin it. Yeah. Okay. Next too. up, I found uh, this gentleman's name, uh, Travis Heidi. He wants to know Walton or Odin. Whiteside and Bazemore will both still be Blazers after the trade deadline this year. I feel like we've gotten that a couple times already. It's uh, the first time Bazemore has been thrown in there that I recall. Whiteside yeah, is a popular. Yeah. I, I maintain that the Whiteside's going to be here uh, for the whole season. Okay. Um, we'll see where the team's at at the deadline. We'll see where Nurkic is at at the deadline. But if we're thinking he's coming back in February at the earliest, we don't know what he's going to look like. And that's the deadline, basically, right? Right. And it's the, yeah, it's the All-Star break. It's right before the All-Star break. So... I could see this, my opinion, evolving based upon the Nurkic uh, availability, but and and you know we'll see how Whiteside plays, how he fits, how all that goes. But I'm going to say right now that uh, this is going to be a Walton for me. That both will still be Blazers after the deadline. I'll I'll Odin it. I don't feel real strong about it. Um, but you got two guys. Boy, I mean, I think they'd like to keep both guys. They 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 have bird rights for both. Hmm. I'll Odin it in, in, in the sake of uh, argument. Okay, next up from Spokeland. Walton or Odin? Autumn is the best season. Mm. Here's what I'll say about this. is I'm going to Odin it because summer is why we live, and so I'm going to say summer is the best season. But Oregon autumn traditionally is fantastic. And, and September and October especially are... September is like the best month of the year if... If it goes right. And it has it has just not gone right this year. It did not go right. And for that, it was brutal. It was it's usually like among the best weather we get. It was among the worst this year. So I'm gonna Odin this summer. It's the best season. I will Odin it as well, but I'm gonna say spring. I like a I like a nice Oregon spring. It's wet a lot of the times, but uh as it goes on, it's great. I I, I do like autumn. Uh I'm a cold weather kind of guy, but uh I, I can't get the number one spot. Here was the one you were referring to earlier from Blazer Tim Walton or Odin. At about 57 minutes into the pod, Joe will proclaim that we're, <laughs> quote, almost an hour. So let's rapid fire through these last questions. We'll see where we're at. That's going to be... I'm going to Odin it this time because you already did it. Yeah, so. we're on. We're ahead of schedule here, yeah. So uh, I'm Odining that one. All right. Next up from Welcome to Rip City, Walton or Odin. Anthony Tolliver will play at least 15 games. Well, this is an easy Walton for me. Yeah. As, as per our uh, previous discussion, yeah, that's a that's a easy Walton. Next up from Catherine Walton or Odin, Hassan Whiteside proves the salty Miami fans wrong. They've been quite loud on Twitter this week. She says, "Uh, yeah, Walton. I mean, I I think Hassan Whiteside's gonna have a really nice season this year. I do too. I I I, I do, and I don't know that it's." That it's, I mean, I don't think it's anything to do with the, with the fans of Miami. And I'm not saying the fans of Miami didn't have some legitimate gripes. I think they probably did. But, um, but one, hating just looks bad on people bad anyways. Look, yeah. But, uh, but no, I, I, I have high expectations for Hassan Whiteside. I, I think that playing on a new team and the last year of his contract with a couple of guys that he's already very familiar with, I mean, like him, I think it's been talked about, but like, Damian, CJ, and Hassan have a relationship that goes back like three or four years now at this point. So I, I think all that combined and the fact that, you know, he, he's got some some serious tools, I think he's going to have a really nice season. Like, I, 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 I don't think it's being homerish at all to, to have some high expectations for Hassan Whiteside. Uh, it's a Walton for me, too. Uh, and, and as an aside, why isn't Miami better? 
What they had, they had yeah. him. They had Drogic, uh, the point guard. Like what? Why weren't they? Be- why didn't they have better players? Why? It's Miami for God's sake. It's like one of the more desirable locales in the well, NBA. I mean, they, they have well, players now. Well, they seeded so their entire season so last long. year to Dwayne Wade's going away party. Yeah, but it was years. Like they weren't. They were a borderline playoff team. They've been a borderline playoff team since since LeBron bolted on them. Um, well, I guess they did have. Uh, I mean, I'm spacing on the other part of that big three that had the medical issue and he had to retire. Chris Bosh. That didn't help, I guess. But they've just been a middling team for so. Like they should be better. Anyway, it has nothing to do with this. I'm just wondering. I, I agree, and I mean, and people people love Eric Spolstra, and but I agree, yeah. they always seem to be a team that's like, why? Yeah, why aren't they a little bit better? Okay, next up from Ricky Bell's Walton Roden. It would 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 it take a return to the Western Conference Finals to consider this year a success? Hmm. hmm. That's a that's a that's a good question. Yeah. I think in a lot of people's eyes, yes, I think it would. In my personal eyes. No, I mean it depends on matchups. It depends on how the season goes. It depends on injuries. I, I mean, you have a team that's talking about competing for a championship. You have a team coming off the Western Conference Finals. So if I were to just look at it in black and white, uh, I would say yes, this would be a Walton. They do need to get back there to consider it a success. But what if they have an injury that sidelines one of their best players for three months or something? Or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but that's not a successful season though. If you had injuries and you say you did overperform, but you, you wouldn't look back on that season and say, that was "Yeah, a that, that was that was that's a, fair." That was okay. A then yes, I'll Walton it. They need to get back to the Western Conference Finals to have a successful season. I'm going to Walton that as well because of what I've heard the team say, which is again, if you want to, if you want to be a team like that, then you have to set that standard for yourself. I, I, I think it's incredibly difficult, but. The fact is, is if you want to be considered one of the best teams, you need to go out and do the things that the things that the best teams do, which is have success and then build on that success. Okay, next up from Charles Bellarama, Bellarano, uh, Walton Roden, Hassan Whiteside averages over two blocks a game. Thanks, big fan from Hamilton, Ontario. Hey, shout out to Canada. Yeah, shout out Charles. Uh, yeah, I think he averages over two blocks a game. Why so, not? Yeah, I mean he's. For his career, he's averaging 2.3 blocks. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a Walton. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, no. Wait a minute. That's that's fouls. Never mind. Take it. No, no 2. it's 2.3. Yeah, 2.3. 2. No, it's yeah. 2.3. He, he, yeah. he averaged just a shade under last year. He's going to get more minutes and more opportunity this year. Yeah. That's that's an easy Walton. It's funny. Like, uh, I was talking. Who was I? Oh, I would, Quick and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, every time you went to Miami or you played against Miami, especially there, you always were like, damn, that dude is good. He was always he balling just, out. Yeah, and those every games time they in Miami, the, like it was like every single time you go there, be like, well, they can't, they can't go to the rim. It's a one man. They wrecking, cannot get to the right. rim without it just going horribly wrong. And then for some reason, it, it always seemed like Miami went away from him, like in the second half or whatever. It, they ch- things changed, and I don't know if that's him or them or what they did or what. Well, I, I think he's one of the, he's. I think what people in Miami would say is that he's a guy who lets his offense affect his defense as in mm. if he's not getting if he's not involved offensively what you're getting from him defensively which is almost always elite is not it's going not to fall there. off so mm. and again like i i think that's i i i'm not saying that's an illegitimate claim i mean i think that a lot of players kind of have those issues and I think sometimes just a change of scenery can can help you realize those things. You imagine if uh, you take Ed Davis's tenacity and and mental makeup and just his his Ed Davis, and you put him 
in Hassan Whiteside's frame and body? It'd be ridiculous. Yeah. I guess that's kind of Rudy Gay, sort of. Uh, you mean Gobert? Excuse me, Gobert. Yeah, I was going to say, you were giving, giving Rudy Gay a lot, yeah, of, no, no, a lot no. of credit. Gobert. I Rudy. know what you were saying, though. Yeah. I mean, and there, Ed, which, by the way, I, you, do you realize that Ed is on the jazz? I... I have to remind yeah. <laughs> myself, but yes. Every I, time I'm like, oh, Ed Davis is on the Jazz. Yeah, cool. Where? We'll see him soon. Yeah. I'm telling Ed, you, the Jazz are going to be good, man. I know I, you everyone is saying the Jazz is going to be good. That That is in no way a unique statement, Joe Freeman. I know, but I think this is finally the year where they fulfill And their, I would not at all be surprised if it was, but again, I... I'm, you need to believe it. I, I want to see it. It's like the Myers-Leonard thing. You got to have it. Exactly. Him, yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, too, I, I saw that someone tweeted how much of a fan favorite Meyer Leonard was going to be, and I, I thought I was like, I really hope that's true. Yeah, I, I, I would. Too. It'd be great for Myers to be able to go to somewhere and and be loved. Yeah. Uh, next up from Cal, Walton Roden, Dame and CJ average fifty or more points per game. Whew. I mean, they uh, average last year. Hmm. It's got to be close. I think Damien's what like twenty six. And CJ is about, about 21, 22. I'm going to say Odin, uh, and I think that I'm going to say Odin in part because I think the Blazers have a deeper, yeah. more well rounded uh, team that has better offense from more people. So I think they naturally will, will have to score less. I mean, we're talking about Anthony Simons blowing up and scoring. You got Hassan Whiteside, who's going to probably average a double double. Baysmore is going to be, you know, an explosive potentially score off the bench. Rodney Hood is guaranteed to score more than Alfred Camino or Mo Harkless, and potentially both combined. So I, I, I agree, Joe. I would, I would Odin that because I don't think that I, I think there'll be fewer shots for a guy like CJ to take. And I, I also think not think I, I'm sure that again they're going to try to, to not stagger Damon CJ's minutes, which means that they would have fewer opportunities. Granted, that probably won't last for very long, but the the hope is that they can get lineups without Damian CJ on the floor. And if they're able to do that, that obviously means less opportunities for both of those guys, particularly when they're playing without the other one. Uh, by the way, CJ McCollum averaged 21.0 points and yep. Damian Lillard averaged 25.8, still under 50. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with the under on that one. Yeah. Okay, next up from our good friend Andrew Thien, uh, who was on my Tuesday night basketball team, and we got destroyed. It was a brutal... Brutal night. But, uh, Andrew, what's, your, what's your team name? Oh, we don't have a team name. It's just uh, it's my Tuesday night game, and we just we just happen to be on the same team that oh, night. Oh, so you, you get there and you you just yeah get it. You so you're not yeah. you're not the yeah. We do it a little differently. Or... We don't like a lot of games are like two eleven by ones and twos or something like that. We play to a hundred four quarters. That's right. Yeah. And, we, yeah. and each when you get to twenty five, it's okay. Second quarter, when you get to fifty, it's halftime. Take a little break, and seventy five is it's a really good run actually. Um, anyway. That's irrelevant right now. Uh, he's got a couple Walton Rodens. First up, Ant will average over 13 points per game. And uh, secondly, Mario will average over 3.0 assists per game. Pretty those are, optimistic those are, those numbers for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just don't know enough about Mario to know whether or not he's really going to be able to average three assists per game. I don't know that he's going to get enough playing time to average three assists per game. Man, I I, uh, I, I think Mario's going to be on the court a lot. You think so? I do. Hmm. I'm looking up right now to see what he's averaged through the first couple years of his career. Oh, there's no way it's of, anywhere near that. No, it's he's averaged basically one one point three. So, um, so and the the over under is three. Yeah. Here's the thing though. Like, you got a team with Dame 
and CJ and Simons. Is there room for a dude to average over three assists with the makeup of this team? I mean, it's going to be his role, and you've heard you've uh, part of his role. You, you've heard Dame saying that they will play off the ball more, so the possibility is there. This is for me. A, uh, I need to see. I need to see this dude play. Yeah, like I, I, you hear what you hear. I'm gonna. I am going to Walton it, and here's why. I'm gonna Odin. Uh, Anthony scoring 13 points a game. I think it's. I think it'll be around there. I'm guessing probably more around 10 to 12. The thing with Anthony is that Mario is, or Anthony. Well, one is going to lead to the other. Gotcha. So with Anthony, the expectation of him being the backup point guard in his second season after playing almost no minutes his mm-hmm. rookie year. I know where you're going with this. That's hard. Yeah. So he's going to be sharing that load with the guys who are on the court with him in terms of playmaking. And I'm guessing that Mario Zonia might very well be one of the guys that, that runs with, with Anton on a regular basis. Base so, more? Ran, exactly. So I think the two of those guys will probably end up handling a decent amount of the ball handling slash uh, getting the offense going, obviously, as, as they will tell you over and over and over again. And the Blazers are kind of a read team, so they call plays half the time. The other half the time, they're just playing in flow. So there's not necessarily kind of the point guard skill quote-unquote trademark pending that you need to have there. But <laughs> I, I, I do think that, that he will probably share that load more than, than say, you know, maybe Evan did when, when he was in that role. Okay. So, I, so I, I think he'll have the opportunities. Three still seems like kind of a lot to me, but... So are you Waltoning it or I, I will Walton it. Okay. I, I'm Waltoning I'm Waltoning the three assists. I'm Odening the 13 points. Yeah, I am going to Oden both. I think Anthony will be closer to 10, 11... Maybe 12 points a game. Uh, I could be proven wrong because everything I hear on him is just, you know, it's getting stupid. But, um, and I just, again, I, I need to see, I need to see Mario play and, and, and see how he fits and, and how that goes before I can definitively say, yeah, he's going to average three assists a game or he's going to be as much of a playmaker as he's, you know, supposed to be. Bazemore, by the way, averaged two and a two point three assists last year, three and a half the year before that. So if he's getting assists, if Simons is getting assists, yeah, I mean somebody's got to score. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, that's a lot. Yeah. So I'm going Odin on both those. But they're good. They're good numbers to debate. Obviously, last Walton or Odin from Nathan Wagner. C.J. McCollum will shoot over forty percent from three this season. Mm. Over 40% from Odin. three this season. That'd be fresh if he did, but uh, I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah, he is a career. Really? His career three-point shooting percentage is 40.1. Is it really? It really is. Holy smokes. So his third season, when he uh, played 80 games for the first time, he shot 41.7%. His next season, he shot 42.1%. His volume has increased the yeah, last couple yeah, years considerably. And last, you know, then he was thirty nine point seven that next year, and then last year it dipped down to thirty seven and a half. Wow! So he shot over forty percent for three years, four years in a row, huh? Doesn't seem like it, does it? No, it doesn't. Boy, I guess these numbers would make me say uh, Walton. I was ready to say Odin. I like I'm that. I'm Walton. Yeah, you know I, I am too, yeah. It, I'll Walton ahead. it. I'll Walton it. What the heck? I, it, I couldn't Odin it at this point because of what I just said about the opportunities for other guys to come in and, and be more dynamic offensively, which is going to open things up for CJ in theory. If you have, if you've replaced, 
Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless with Kent Bazemore and Rodney Hood, guys who are better shooters than those two, then you would assume that that results in more open looks for guys like CJ. So, yeah, I mean, heck. Walton? I'll, I will Walton it. I mean, a, a two-and-a-half-point percentage point bump from where he was at last year. But I feel like he started off the year I mean, really slow. It was slow. terrible. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that was probably more of a, of a correction than anything else because I remember he was – He's I brutal. feel like he was nailed on the playoffs too from threes. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I will, I will welcome that. And uh, I want to remind you guys one more time about our friends at Tough Luck, which is located on seventeen seventy seven one Northeast Deacon. Fantastic bar. You can get the Rip City Red Hot Chicken Fried Sandwich, which is a some now, kind of chicken. Now we don't necessarily know what chicken. it's going to be, though. Yeah, it will probably be served on a bun. <laughs> uh, is or my not if you don't want it to be. You could probably get the the keto slash uh, Atkins version. Do people even do Atkins anymore? Is that ah? There's that probably happen? a couple. There's probably three or four. Either way, leave your Atkins at home if you're going to to uh, our friends at Tough Luck. Once again, that's ten dollars for a Rip City Red Hot sandwich and a pint of beer or micro brew. Micro beer, micro brew, micro delight. Potato, potato. Play some shuffleboard. Uh, you know what? Particularly this time of year, maybe it's. You know, we, we've actually been getting some cold days, but I feel like in the in the autumn sometimes it's a little bit warmer. So maybe you, they can put up the uh, garage doors there, so you get you can stay dry, but you mm-hmm, can also get a little mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. nice little fresh air, a little little autumn uh, in Oregon, as uh, we've already talked about. So uh, again, a, a wonderful place to to dine, to drink, to hang out with friends. We need to get again, our next live pod on the if books. You're, if you're looking for schedule. a place to take some friends from out of town, that it's kind of like a nice chill Portland vibe. Good Check spot. out Tough Luck on 1771 Northeast Deacon. I was actually over there last night. I went to ranch for dinner. Ooh, um, delicious. We were with the family, so we didn't go over to, to the bar afterward. But I, I looked at it and waved and said hello. I do like that pizza. It's good. Are, are they, have they expanded their menu at all? or? Um, they had about seven. Because I, I feel like there's like four pizzas they have. Eh, it was about, there was between six and eight, Yeah, I would say. Um, yeah. Shout anyway. out to Ranch Pizza. All, yeah. the, all the more reason to go to Tough Luck. Okay, let's get to your questions. Here we go. First up from Jeff. Do you get to see any five-on-five practice? If so, are they crisp or do they need a little baking? Uh, as an aside from Zandre, he uh, also asked if we had seen anything for practice that looked different last year, statistically or strategically, um, defensive coverage, such and such. I'll just go ahead and say that we don't get to see much practice at all. We basically get to see them do a little bit of running and a little bit of free-throw shooting. And that's about it. Yeah. So we don't have any insight to say uh, how they've been, yeah. know, what we've seen. They, anyway. they missed some free throws on the first day. I can tell you that. Can't they, tell you they that. They do the drill where, you know, they're running lines, and then you have to finish it off by hitting a free throw. And they must have missed three or four of them. So uh, they kept running. And, uh, Zandra, you can go to OregonLive.com slash Blazers. I wrote about the Blazers' defense uh, and some of the stuff that they're doing, both uh, similarly and differently from last year and why they're so bullish about it, to answer your questions about defensive coverages. Next up from Katie Barrows. No question. I'm just stoked. Hey, we're stoked too, Katie. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Katie's a real... She's she's great. She's a real devoted listener. Thank you very much, Katie. She's awesome. Next up from Levi Loss. Levi, Levi Lay? Levi Loss? I think I've had this debate with you before, Levi, and I'm I apologize. It's L A I S. L A I S. I think that's lice. Lice? No, not lace. No. <laughs> we'll go with Levi. It's good stuff. Another loyal listener, so I feel bad for butchering your name. It seems like you guys are really excited about this season. Uh, in your opinion, where does this season rank to you in terms of a well, one personal anticipation and two Portland fan anticipation? I think it's under a 
anticipated for how epic it's going to be. Well, it sounds like you're excited. Yeah, Levi. no, it was very excited. Uh, my personal anticipation is uh, is is neutral. I'm I'm a little more excited than last year. Uh, more more than the expectations. We've got a bunch of new people to get to write about and talk to and get to know. Um, the locker room had grown relatively stale. I've talked about this before. My job was was certainly more difficult uh, last couple of years, and it hopefully will be this year. Um, and I disagree with you on fan anticipation. I think people are jacked. I, th- I think people are excited oh, about the team. It's yeah. uh, among the more anticipated uh, parts of this this part of season is as anticipated as it's been since maybe really early in that B-Roy, L.A., Greg Oden phase before things went down there. Totally. There, there was a good good some juice there. But. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put on the same level as the early Odin days, but it's it's close. I, I, I think people are, are rightfully excited about this team, and uh, I'm glad they are. Okay, next up from Tra La La La. How likely do you think it is that our front office uses the second two-way roster spot? Any prediction on who would be most likely? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't, I'd I, be surprised if they used it. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they, they really... If they find a person that they think they can help groom to potentially have, you know, sign next year or something like that, they might. Um, I, I certainly couldn't predict who it would be. And, and, in fact, I don't really think they will use it. I would I would lean towards no. Yeah, I, I think that you already have a guy in Nasir Little who is, is going to take some development, and you have Jalen Horde who already has that the, the one-two way. I, I just think that – I think at a certain point, like, you got to – you, you can only have so many young guys around, even on two ways. Next up from Grant Smith. I saw a rookie, Romeo Langford, using a ping pong paddle this summer to fix his shot. Have you ever seen the Blazers uh, employ any untraditional or weird methods to fix a player's tendencies? Also, how is Nasir Little's shot looking? Love the show. Uh, I haven't seen Nasir Little shoot any, but he definitely needs some work there. So I'm guessing he's still uh, he's still under uh, grounds under repair. Uh, I remember, as far as tendencies go, they used to have this huge stick that had some kind of big hand at the mm-hmm. end or something, and they would go at guys who were shooting uh, or go at guys uh, in the paint with that as sort of a really tall defender that you had to get over, and. Uh, Old Billy Baino, the old assistant coach, used to use huge padded uh, things, almost like boxing. Bigger, Sputnik. Sp- well, yeah, yeah. Just I knew you were going with would pound people uh, the size of a – look at the size Around of his head. Pointy and fast. It's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, those are a couple things that I can remember. And they something... would beat, And he would just beat guys with it, just pound them. So the there, there is one thing that – I think that all of us have noticed but haven't really looked into yet. The Blazers have installed the NOAA shot tracking system in their practice facility, which uh, they're these big boxes that look like speakers, but actually I think they, they track the arc and the shot, uh, like the angle and the release point and the velocity of shots. I'm on their website right now, and Anthony Tolliver, uh, not surprisingly enough, is one of their uh, their spokespeople, which mm-hmm. might explain why they have it. But it, I, I remember seeing it at other practice facilities from time to time, uh, and uh, it basically is like, a again, it's like a tracking system that gives you feedback that it, it, with the speaker on it too that tells you kind of like how many shots you made what what i think angle they came off of how much arc is in it just to to again to kind of train your your shooting to to hit those those optimal metrics next up from eric a should i get excited for lobs similarly from vance wyland how many lobs this year 
Man, I maintain that that Dame and CJ are not big lob throwers. They're not. Yeah, and so I, unless they just make it a priority to figure that out and and to and to send them to Whiteside's way, I I I think any of that talks overblown. I I don't see it being a big fabric of their team. There might be uh, one or two here or there, you know, maybe once or twice a game, but I don't. I could be wrong, but I just I don't see it. I uh, I don't think it's going to be a lob fest by any stretch, um, but there will be more this year. And, and with Hassan, you have to because I one of the if you don't want Hassan Whiteside to do some of the things that you don't want him to do on offense, you have to give him reasons to do the right things. And one of those reasons is because you're throwing lobs to for him to get to. If you're not including him in the offense at some point, particularly some way to get him some easy offense from time to time. Then you know if he starts shooting mid-range jumpers or starts moving out of the paint, that's that's gonna be that's not gonna be good for anybody. So I I do think they're gonna be more they're going to try harder at it. But yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, it's not it's not gonna be Lob City. You think it's gonna be more than Layman had last year, or similar to that, but just in the first unit? Uh, I mean, kind of different. Yeah, I would I would I would say they will have more Lob finishes this year than they had last year, and I would say by a good margin. Yeah, I'm trying to find numbers on that too, which are they're hard to find. To by, uh, yeah. I remember one year, many, many, many moons ago, uh, writing about how important the lob was to the Blazers, and it was the Andre Miller Lamarcus Aldridge connection. The Blazers led the league in lobs and lob dunks. Lamarcus led the league in lob dunks, and Andre Miller led the league in lob dunk assists. Mm. That all makes sense. Yeah. Now it's a different team. And Next up from does. Justin Tran. Were there any surprises from the players' height and weight after the NBA requiring the league to be more accurate? Uh, we have not seen any of the updated data. I can tell you that Anthony Simons revealed on Media Day that he has grown an inch since last year. So that's a surprise. Next up from Alex Aikton. Vegas has the Blazers finishing 7th in the West at 47 wins. That's not what we saw last week. 47 wins? Did they have them at 47? Oh, no, uh, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was... Whoa, who? Uh, Vegas? Megas might have him at 47. Uh, I think it was 538 that had him at 41 and 41. 41. I think that was ESPN too, yeah. Should we take the over or the under? Also, where do you expect them to stack up in the West? Appreciate all you two do. We appreciate you listening, Alex. Good question. We, You know what? If you go back to last week's pod, we talked pretty at length about this. We had the over on those wins, and we had them finishing higher than seventh in the West. Next up from Greg Brock. How cool was the DeLorean? It was pretty cool. It was. I was. It was great. I was very surprised at how when I was. I didn't know it was going to be there. So Neither did I. I. I thought it was super awesome. But uh, no, that that DeLorean was neat. Shout out I, to Sean Mager for getting me some pics on that. That was uh, that was good of him. I mean, it's not every day you get to sit in a DeLorean. No, not at all. And again, like I've you see DeLoreans, they're they're not super fancy. Rare. Like yeah. I mean, again, like there's a. There's a guy down my street who has a DeLorean. But, really? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that it runs, but he has it in his driveway huh. uh, undercover. Uh, but to have one that runs and, and be in such great shape was, was, was super awesome. Next up from Blazerist, what level of, quote, holy crap, where did that come from, unquote, improvement would it take for players like Gary, Scal, and Nasir to crack the rotation? And do you think it's a possibility? Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Blazerist. Yeah. Um... I don't think those dudes are cracking the rotation. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I'd be a I'd be a little surprised if if that was the case. 
Uh, I do guess I could say that if the Blazers were to have any injuries to their front line, to their bigs, I could see Scal working his way in. Um, but unless uh, Zach falls flat on his face or there's an injury, I, I just don't I don't see it. Yeah. By the way, too, shout out to uh, to Jordan for bringing that DeLorean, by the way. I want to make sure he got some some propers for that. <coughs> I, I, Excuse I, me. I, I think Jordan listens, and if not, uh, you start listening, Jordan. But uh, thanks for bringing the DeLorean. It's he really cool. noted that I was wearing kill shots, uh, which were fitting for my uh, – they're kill shot twos, but yeah. that they were fitting <laughs> shoes for the uh, the DeLorean. Yeah, they, they were are... right about they're, they're Very similar to the Nike Bruins, which is what uh, Michael J. Fox With wears. The red one, yeah. yep. Next up from Daniel Devaney. Who on this team guards the likes of LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, now that Amino and Harkless are gone? I think we touched on this a little earlier. Yeah, we we answered this yesterday. I, I always feel like this question is like, I mean, no one guards those guys. Yeah, that was the point that Neil made that I did note in that story on the defense that I did write was he thinks they're collectively better at playing defense. As a team, they're deeper and better. Um, that individual defense is a bit overrated. I will say if you have, say, a Rudy Gobert or you have um, – you know, an Avery Bradley or a noted, you know, wing defender that maybe he would be talking a little differently. Um, but more to his point, I, I think he's more or less accurate that your team defense is more important than anything. Blazers didn't have an exceptional defender three, I don't know, five, five years ago, whenever that was, when they had Rolo back there. But they were eighth in the league yeah. in defense. It's a lot about schemes and personnel collectively than individually. Next up from Mika Tyler. Which player from last year that is no longer with us is going to have a breakout season? Player from last year, no longer with the team, breakout season. Uh, Boy, breakout's going to need to be a loose term on this. I don't yeah. think any of them are going to break out and just either. be cray-cray. Um, I think most of them are who, who, we are, who we saw. What we saw is who they are. I think Mo Harkless is going to continue to be inconsistent. Uh, I think Chief, we saw his ceiling. Um, I guess the player most likely, I mean, Evan Turner's not breaking. He might have better stats because he's going to play a ton. I, I would have said Evan because I, I, I saw a quote yesterday saying that I think Evan's going to be their backup point guard and also their backup four in small ball lineups, hmm. which is like that. that is, I mean, I think we saw that in the playoffs last year, but that's that's where Evan's mm -hmm. game is going. Evan is a four yeah. in the NBA in 2019. And uh, but here's what I'm going to say: the guy that at least has the more the most to give is Myers, because he he in theory has a uh, more potential to show. And in theory, I mean, assuming is he supposed to get minutes? I think he's supposed to get minutes, right? I would, I would imagine on that team. Yeah. So I think the combination of opportunity and what he showed here, I think. He would be my answer to that question. I, I think Myers is the the obvious answer because he's got he just got more room to grow than those other Correct. guys do. Jake Lehman could be fun in oh, Minnesota. Oh, actually, you know what? Jake might Jake might actually be the answer. Yeah, he could it, be it's fun probably Jake. Jake. I, I saw something the other day saying that he was he was turning heads in uh, oh, good. In, in Minnesota. He's such a good dude. I'm I'm glad that he yeah, got a no, contract it, it, and got it. It's it's Jake. The answer's Jake. Okay, next up from Boom Boom Bayless. This team is hyping Simon's hard. There's a lot of new pressure on a kid with four, 141 minutes in the NBA and no real college experience. What's the purpose behind the team's strategy of building up expectations? For him. Well, there's no strategy and there's no purpose. It's just what they see and what they say. They see someone balling, 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 and so they're they're calling, calling. I mean, Neil is not shy about touting guys that he believes in if he believes that they're capable of producing at a level by which he thinks they are going to produce. And uh, he's been high on him. 
last year, even behind the scenes, when we talked to guys, they were very, Dame has been very high on him for some yeah. time, um, both in ability, uh, potential, and demeanor. The combination of those three uh, seem to suggest that he's going to he's gonna be somebody. And, you know, you can only uh, hold somebody back for so long. If they're ready to unleash their inner beast, they're going to unleash it, and the team thinks he's ready. But there's no calculated strategy yeah, exactly. by, the, by the organization. If anything, I mean, at this point, they'd rather temper expectations for this guy. And I, I would say, too, that I think your takeaway from that should be that the Blazers generally, under Neil O'Shea, have slow-played younger players, and the fact that they're talking about Anthony the way that they are, I think, tells you they really believe that. Like, Because typically, they, they like to bring guys along slowly, but they are not doing that for Anthony. And the, reason, and the fact that they're not, I think, leads you to believe that there's maybe something there. Well, and how often, if ever, have we talked about a dude growing an inch when he's in the NBA, I can't ever remember anybody growing. It is an illustration of 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 this guy who was a, a late bloomer. Yeah, and so he's a guy that there was a reason he didn't go to Florida or Kentucky or wherever he was supposed to go. Louisville, really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Patino. That's right, because the whole Patino yeah. thing. Um, and that he went to the IMG. I mean, that made more sense for him and his development and where he was. But if this kid had gone to Louisville and had busted loose, he probably would have been a top 10 pick in this last draft, and then maybe would have those expectations just inherently. So, you know, they're, it's justified according to them. Yeah, we'll that, see. that's a good point, too. If Yeah, if Anthony was drafted 10th, the no one would be like, oh, boy, they're, they're getting a little over the skis. And I mean, and to be perfectly fair, too, like, I've felt the same way. Like, I didn't know organizationally, like, should we be talking about Anthony like this? Because it does seem like he's getting a lot of that's how they talked about Dame. Views. But again, that, that they they didn't they weren't like yeah you know maybe we should temper that back. They're like no he's really good. So there you go again. I mean I, I I'm not, they're the ones that see these guys all the time too. Like I'm not going to tell them they're wrong about something that that I don't know. Last question from the pod, and we get here without me telling us to speed it up. <laughs> why don't the Blazers... Oh, from Evan Weber. Why don't the Blazers have a G League team? Do you believe teams that do not have a G League team are at a disadvantage compared to those who do? And if they were to have one, where do you think it would be... Where do you think would be a good location? Uh, let's go back to why the Blazers don't have a G League team. They actually were one of the first organizations to have a single affiliate G League team. It was in Idaho... They didn't like the distance, and they found it to be uh, an impediment to the development of their players, and so they got rid of it. It was not cost uh, prohibitive also. They also believe that their players and their player development program has a proven track record by keeping guys here for the most part, that they learn more and uh, develop better by being around the NBA team, around the NBA coaches. And... They do still send them on G League assignments. Yeah. I mean, guys went last year, Anthony, Gary. And they do well. Then they do Gary, well. Gary yeah. Trent scored the a most points, points, more points in five games than any player ever had in G League history, I think, or something like that. It was crazy, so. yeah. So they, they still have that option, and they can control where they send them. Uh, and no, I don't think that they're at a, a disadvantage compared to those who do. I, I don't think the G League is that important, quite frankly. It's just not. It's just... Sorry. Uh, we don't need minor league basketball. It's not like baseball where guys spend years developing to get there. There's no minor league football. Well, it is. It's called college football. But uh, college basketball is more or less minor league basketball. If they are going to change the draft rule and it's going and we're going to go back to to having high schoolers, that's and a good point. If, if, yeah. And if 
I mean, who knows what's going to go on with the NCAA between just the issues they're already having with sneaker companies and the, you know, the, the, new, the new California yeah. law. Like, if the NCAA starts to crumble, then at that point, yeah, you probably need a G League team because at that point, maybe they expand the draft. They start allowing, they go three or four rounds rather than two rounds. So you have players who are not ready to go who you're who you're taking purely in terms of of expectations. At that point, maybe you're at a disadvantage if you don't have a G League team. Like I, I could see the theory there. That's a that's a great point. I As agree of right you. now, I, I do not see it. Like I don't there are there are some G League success stories, but they're fairly few. They're really on the margins. And again, it's, and it's not like the Blazers haven't tried the single affiliation before. They, Like you mentioned, they were the first one, and it just didn't work out for them. And uh, I mean, I do think that proximity was the largest issue, but you know, you still have G League coaches that are coaching in the G League, and that's not to their bad coaches, but NBA coaches are NBA coaches a lot of times for a reason. And yeah, they, they always talk about how much success they've had with their player development and the idea that you're just going to seed that to another organization for, I mean, you could say, well, we're in control of this thing, but you're not there, you know, like, and even down to nutrition and training, it's like, you're not paying the trainer for the G League, the, that trainer is likely not the caliber of the trainer that's in the NBA. You're not having a nutritionist in a G League team. You're not flying private from one place to the next to the next. Like it's, it's a different way to approach professional basketball. And I just think the team doesn't feel like as the NBA is currently constructed right now, it just doesn't feel like the the payoff is really there. So the final question of if they were to have one, where do I think it would be? Uh, they would want it to be locally. Uh, I could see it being over in Vancouver. I could see it being like in Hillsboro. Uh, no I, I think, worse than Salem. I, I think Somewhere Eugene in that. Is, would be my cutoff. Eugene, Eugene is two hours away. I still think that's probably a little bit too yeah. far. But the And the places that have had success with the G League, I feel like, are more places that have them look like I mean the the is it the Rockets like they'll have a guy play in a G League game in the morning and then he'll come to the team in, at night well so, LA the LA Defenders or whatever right, play at the yeah. Staples Center yeah, yeah. And I think same with uh, Santa Cruz with uh with, with the, the Warriors State, yeah. yeah so and I remember when they got rid of the Stampede one of the things Neil had talked about was that and imp- that was one of the bigger biggest yeah, impediments no, that, that's a legitimate issue the players hated flying on those little planes over to Idaho they didn't want to be in Idaho and then it was hard to get them back uh, back to the team, yeah. and and they wanted to keep them around the team. An ideal situation would be for them to have a team locally they play in, and then they're with the team that night or whatever, or the yeah. next day. So, and, um, and the other thing about the Blazers too, and particularly Neil, is that they have made. I mean, and this has been one of his things since the first day he got here about making it a player first organization and a first class organization. And I think there's something to be said about. How first class of an organization are you if you're sending guys to Idaho? You know, like I, I think it it kind of blows that notion of like we're going to treat our guys the best that we absolutely can at all times because they are what is going to get us to to the level. And I, I just I just think there's a there's a feeling that like there's too much of a drop off in terms of kind of the the level of the organization with the Portland Trailblazers, particularly in Tualatin and wherever they're going to end up in the G League. All right, there you go. You have it. There's an hour and 10 minutes of podcast gold for you. Give us all your five-star reviews if you subscribe to the podcast on on Apple Podcasts or wherever. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week uh, with another pod. Until then, 
Enjoy that fan fest. Enjoy that exhibition opener. And enjoy your weekend. Take care. No one's ready to deal with us.